This, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. What's up, peeps? Welcome back to Rebranded Safety. And that's it. It's over. Safety 1, Safety 2 miniseries is over. Today, I'm giving you my thoughts, my notes, what I've learned, what I think, my basically ill-informed opinion backed on no evidence whatsoever other than a lot of com- a lot of conversations with people. That's what, as per usual, that's what this episode is all about. My opinion. Let's jump into the intro and we'll get right into it. The problem in safety isn't deviation, it's complexity. Health and safety has gone mad. Health and safety is trying to unpick having gone mad in the past. There's no one solution and one problem. The problem is that we are looking for one solution. Does the structure of the team allow them to flourish? Feel safe enough to be uncomfortable. The environment defines our behaviours. People aren't the problem, they're the solution. Rebranding safety, crushing a stereotype. Brought to you by Risper. All right, maybe I was a little bit premature on the starting of the music there. I apologise for that. Also, I didn't mute my mic whilst I was playing that. And I think my chair, well, I know my chair, made a sound. And it kind of sounded like I farted. I didn't fart. I promise. It was just the chair. That's like kind of blaming the dog at dinner, isn't it? When you you drop a fart. Uh, Well, it wasn't the dog. It was the chair. Turn that music down a little bit. Right, let's jump into it. What were my thoughts? What were my notes from all of those conversations we have on that mammoth mini-series of Safety 1, Safety 2, which honestly felt like it went on for a lifetime. And I've got to be frank, I'm quite glad it's over. Why? Well, I'm just fed up of it. I mean, I threw myself deep into the arguments, into the debates, every single conversation about safety ones versus safety two on LinkedIn. I was in it. It was tiring. It was hard. And it was really demoralizing to see our profession just kind of reduced to bickering with each other. It's really embarrassing. So I'm going to do a couple of things today. I'm going to whiz through my notes, my thoughts on what I've kind of learnt, what I think the difference is, uh, what I think the problem is, um, and and my advice for any of you that want to move forward and don't really know where to go. Um, Maybe you've read a couple of books and you're like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever, which to be honest, most of us are Um, like that when we read these books or we're the other way. What a load of shit. This is we've been doing this forever. And really, it doesn't matter which, which which kind of side of the fence you are. Frankly, there should not be a fence. But I'm getting way too into it. I'm going to get into it slowly and in a structured way. Like I said, I'm going to cover what I think the difference is. Remember, this is all opinion-based and anecdotal and based on zero research whatsoever. This is just based on my conversations with said safety one, safety two people. Then I'm going to go through what's the issue, in my opinion. Then I'm going to go through my advice. Oh, no, sorry. What did I learn? God, I'm so bad at this. And then I'm going to go through my advice. And also, I'm going to go through a little LinkedIn chat I've got saved on my screen in front of me that's literally happened today as I'm recording this episode um, because it's really, really interesting. 
and there's some really interesting comments on there by a couple of people that have actually been involved in this mini series so let's jump right into it what i think the difference is now this could be controversial and i'm trying to make sure that i've got the music playing in the background whilst i do it i purposely ch chose some kind of calm but cool music to try and keep our passions at a very calm and professional manner whilst i have this conversation because essentially that is what we need when we're talking about safety one and safety two so let's look at some of my my notes what i think the difference is well frankly i think there's more that makes them there's more there's think use your words james use your words there's more similarities than there is actual differences in my opinion but i will caveat that by i am not the kind of guy that's read millions and millions of pieces of behavioral based safety research and books and millions and millions of pieces of safety to hop fucking safety differently whatever research i'm basing this just off the conversations that i've had in this mini series on LinkedIn, the books I've read and so on and so forth, the, the podcasts I've listened to, the videos I've watched, etc. etc. I genuinely think there are more that combine us, that bring us together than what there is that makes us different. And in a nutshell, people, I think that's what we need to focus on. Boom, end of series, end of end of episode. That's where we should end it. But we're not, because like usual, I've got a lot to say for myself. So that's that's the main caveat here and then i think just on my my experience conversations again etc i'm caveating everything i'm saying based on say just to kind of say it based on zero research i think most of the problem here is actually on implementation on how we've taken ideas and we've implemented them around the world so here's a couple of stories to to back that uh, opinion up Firstly, I was in a webinar a while ago whilst this gentleman was kind of manically raving about the benefits of a, a, a lean system, a lean Six Sigma system, which is regularly quite heavily criticised for... Um, or creating maybe bad approaches to safety be that right or wrong opinion but it is kind of heavily focused on that so this gentleman had taken maybe lean's not the right word but he had basically taken toyota's approach um, which are also heavily referenced within psychological safety stuff toyota's approach and use that in his safety system to implement to his clients and he was raving about it this is a guy this was amazing my client this my client that started doing this and then I don't know, less people started dying, you know, literally raving about it. And we were all like, yeah, 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 no, having this really good conversation. And my, my opinion was, you know, whilst this gentleman was basically saying, you know, fuck everything else, this is the way to go because that's where his success has been. And and that's that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. He's had success in that. And that's cool, man. And that's a good thing. So he's obviously going to commit to that system, to that approach, because he's seen it work. He knows it inside and out, right? Doesn't mean it's going to work for everybody, but it's worked for everyone that he's worked with so far. But there will be examples of that for every system. There will be success stories for BBS. There will be success stories for HOP. There will be success stories for Safety Differently. There will also be failure stories failure stories for bbs hop safety differently safety two resilience everything out there there will be people don't like it and people that do like it there are people that didn't get it people that do get it inherently 
that will happen. That is inevitable. Next kind of story to back up is, is, has just immediately left my brain as I kind of said that. I had a really good story. Or maybe this is not a story. I've got it. It's come back to me. It's more of a it's more of a an opinion or a warning. There is, which I've referenced a lot of times on this podcast, and I will endeavor to find it and I'll link it in this uh, the show notes of this podcast episode. Where Professor Scott Geller is talking to Sonny Sonny Gopal. If you don't know Sonny Gopal, connect with him on LinkedIn. I'll link it in the description below. He does loads of work on YouTube, did loads of live stuff. Uh, It's really good. Um, Has really good connections with Don Cooper and a lot of people in that behavioral based safety um, space. And and don't judge it for that. Like, go, there is some good stuff that comes from that. So don't be like, "Mm, behavioral based safety, it's safety one, I'm not going to go. Please go and have a look. Because even if you don't like what's what's being said there, that's a good thing as well. Like we need dissent and opinions. But anyway, part that to one side. He interviewed uh, Scott Geller a long, long time ago talking about behavior-based safety. And, and he said a line, which I've said a few times, which initially I didn't really agree with and I was a bit disappointed to hear. But he was like, look, I'm just the academic. I make the idea. I make the theory. It's not my fault that the consultants implemented it wrong. So in his opinion, in his opinion, the implementation of behavioral-based safety was incorrect based on the, the research and the, the articles and the whatever, the books, etc., that he had put out there to help people do it. He believed that it was implemented incorrectly. So there's an indication straight away that one of the problems here actually is implementation and not the actual theory. Now, don't, I'm going to get on to some of the theoretical arguments against behavioral-based safety in a moment, but there is an argument there to say that's not what he intended. And my kind of thought here or my kind of argument here is what's stopping that same thing happening to safety two? So I put this question to Carsten Bush, who, you know, he was in part of this miniseries, who, frankly, I highly regard as one of the the best things we've seen at the moment. Um, His approach on this is very reasonable, very balanced. And it's evidence-based. Like, the guy's done the work that no one else wants to do. He's gone through everything. And what's happened with Heimrich is a very good lesson to what could happen with safety too. We all talk about, oh, Heimrich stuff is stupid. Oh, Heimrich stuff is stupid. And actually, we, we don't have that lack of local rationality to say, well, actually, it may not be relevant for today's world, um, but... It wasn't written in today's world, was it? It was produced fucking a long time ago when people used to ride around a horse and cart. Therefore, it's obviously not uh, applicable to today's world because we still don't ride around on horse and cart. So it's just a natural evolution. It doesn't mean it's stupid. So stupid is a, is a, is a poor use of the term, which I'm going to talk about provocative language and stuff later on in this episode. But the lesson we can learn here is that it's the other bit that Carson talks about, that actually how we've seen... The, the triangle and, and stuff being being kind of implemented is not necessarily how Heinrich intended it to be done. Because he made these images to, to make it simple for the people who are not kind of real safety experts or whatever, or theoretical uh, kind of experts, 
to, that would read the real minutiae of his ideas, he created these images like the iceberg, the triangle, the, 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 the dominoes, etc. To make this real simple and real easy for managers, for operational people to pick up and take away, right? Because we, we have to, these people are real busy, yeah? So we have to simplify it to be able to get that to go, to, to, to get that into their kind of brain so they kind of get it. I'm not saying they're stupid, I'm saying they're busy, all right? So we can potentially fall into the same trap with safety two, with, with pretty much anything, trying to simplify the message to get people to understand it creates a problem. So how do we know there's not going to be in another 80 years, the cast and Bush of the future doing research into Eric's work, into Sydney's work, into Todd's work and going, actually, that's not what they intended. But that is actually what happened, but it's not what they intended. So we got it wrong again. So the problem here is just having a helicopter view on everything. And I think that's what's happened with BBS. Now, again, I caveat that with a point that I have not, I have not gone into reading loads of BBS stuff. And some of the stuff I have seen come out of the BBS world is not very good, in my opinion. However, based on what I have heard from the people that are big in this space, what they preach is extremely similar to a lot of practices in safety too. And the example I'll give is the example I give so many times is you and I will link it in the description below is the prophetic argument between Scott Geller and Mr. Conklin, where they're arguing about the same thing. They're saying the same thing. Ooh, the environment defines the behaviors. Oh, context drives the behaviors. It's, hang on a minute. It's the same fucking thing. You're saying exactly the same thing. But yet we think it's different. So again, more similarities than there are differences. My chat with Dom Cooper, whilst there was there were things that Dom said that I didn't agree with. There were some things I didn't agree with, which I'm going to touch on in a minute. Most of it, and I, I vaguely remember correctly, I said this in, in, in my conversation with him, but a lot of it sounds like hop. And surely that's inevitable. Because everything that is there, that exists now, has a, was built on the foundation of what was there before which is inevitable in science, is it not? That one thing happens and then we evolve and we evolve, which is what Kevin Furness talks about, which is what Adam Jones talks about. Everyone that does this stuff, everyone that's actually not getting too into it, into all these arguments, they all say the same thing. We stand on the shoulder of giants. This is just a natural evolution. So is it not inevitable then that hop is very similar to BBS, that behavior, that different, different, um, safety differently is, is, inher is inherently similar to BBS because it's the natural evolution. It's just another progression in the step, in the line. So here's the challenge. When the safety differently, differently research comes out or the safety 3.0 research comes out in 10 years time, we need to challenge ourselves to not be offended and so freaking sensitive when somebody goes, oh, that stuff is stupid. And also those of us that are listening that go, oh yeah, safety three is the way. Safety differently, differently is the way. Safety differently was stupid to not use that language. So in, in a very roundabout way, all I'm saying is the problem that I think we argue about is maybe the misimplementation of behavioral-based safety 
And therefore, we're not actually arguing about the theories because when you really listen to these people, they're talking about the same stuff. So let me bring back to the base theory, which I've, I've got this in an interview with Clive Lloyd and I haven't put it out in this. One, because I never intended to. And two, because we interviewed after we'd kind of finished the series. So I thought, ah, I'll just put this out in a bit after after the mini series so we can have a bit of a break from safety one safety two coming up which i'll talk about later on um not today i'll talk about it in a different episode um but i will put this out in maybe a month or so but essentially you know he talks about the, the problem with bbs is based on taylorism now again haven't done loads of research into this but a little bit of research is basically taylorism is kind of all about breaking tasks down into tiny 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 steps and focusing on those bits and seeing how people can do that better that is a really raw low level layman's example uh, explanation of what taylorism is right and this can essentially lead to micromanagement if you imagine we're focusing on the minutiae and we're like you know you need to do that james you need to do that that this way it, it becomes kind of um yeah it becomes micromanagement it's kind of like standardization um which essentially doesn't really work because we as humans are complex. So it, it kind of reduces um, cognitive diversity, so to speak. It creates a standardized world, which really doesn't work. So for me, that's a natural evolution of what Safety 2 brings to the party, which I'll touch on in a minute. It also kind of rewards good performers. This is Taylorism I'm still talking about. It rewards good performance and inherently then either doesn't do anything with so-called bad performers or punishes bad performers but the fact that we reward in quotations good performers means that there are two sides good performers and bad performers which does in my opinion contradict the, the statement from scott geller of the environment defines the behaviors and the similar statement from todd conklin which says the context drives the behaviors right because we're saying one is good, one is bad. Well, what is good? What is bad? Is that not relative? And what, what, how do you measure good and bad? Is it reliant on the outcome? So if somebody does something and it works and then they do exactly the same thing the following day, but that day it didn't work, how is it good or bad? Because it was good yesterday, but then it was bad today. And this is the argument of kind of complexity and that the, the problem here is actually that we're trying to simplify something that is inherently really complex. And that is people there ain't i'm going to change this this old-fashioned saying because i don't think that the, the traditional version of this statement is is very relevant in today's world but i tweak it to suit today's world in that there ain't now as strange as folk there ain't now as strange as folk my grandma used to say that all the time if if you're if you're british and you know the original saying then yeah i, I just you know what it really is and i just don't think that word is, is very relevant in today's world let me have a look at some of my other notes uh, do, 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 do. talked about some of your power chat with yeah similarities more more similarities than there are differences i've wrote that about five times um yes let's talk about what i didn't agree with so dom cooper i thought was a good interview I've, partly because of myself the first 40 minutes was a bit crap also partly because we had so many technical difficulties but I, I was so uptight and so concerned about that because I was actually more concerned about getting ridiculed on the safety two side because one day I'm safety two and then the next day I'm so-called safety one 
and, and that's a massive problem with this kind of tribalism in that I've kind of covering the so what's the issue thing and I, I don't want to um, so I'm going to pause that that where I was going with that I'm going to pause that sorry the, there's a bit that Dom said that we kind of maybe dis, disagreed a little bit in the podcast but you know the more and more I think about it the more and more I disagree with it so we talked about somebody turning up to work drunk and that person then being fired because they turned up to work drunk for obvious reasons. You can't turn up to work drunk. I mean, dude, come on. I'm not saying that people should be allowed to turn up work drunk. But here's the, here's the issue. This, this leads quite nicely on to what's the issue, right? So what's the issue of this stuff? I actually don't think the issue is safety one and safety two. I think the issue here is that our line as employers has blurred a little bit as what employers should do for their employees has blurred so let's use this example where me and dom disagreed right so dom thought that we should fire that employee but here's the problem you fire that employee because they've, they've turned up dr drunk to work if they turned up drunk to work there's obviously a problem there because they didn't see the line the line that that you shouldn't do that so therefore they they maybe have like an alcoholism issue so we fire them is that alcoholism issue not then going to get worse because we've just made their whole situation really really bad so the issue here now and this is why i say in my keynote if you listen to the, the kind of chat i did for for paradigm uh on the amazing webinars that Paradigm run every Thursday. If you are not a part of those, you need to go to Paradigm's website and then check out the learning organization. Great series of webinars. You can, once you sign in as well, you get uh, access to all the backlog, which is just phenomenal. Um, so yeah, go check them out. So I did one for them in their Bright Sparks and Disruptors uh, mini series. I'm going to assume I'm the disruptor and not the Bright Spark. <laughs> and, and I talked saying there, this is bigger than safety. And this is my point. The line has blurred of what we do as employers. Previously, you get to work, you start, you clock in. Now you're our problem. We take responsibility for you. We help you. We will hopefully help you. We, we, we help you. We help you kind of sort your problems out. But any problems that are from outside of work, e.g. alcoholism or stress or anything like that, is not our problem because we can't control it. But inherently, they are our problem because you're turning up drunk now. So if we fire that person and then they get worse and then it gets really, really worse. And let's say, you know, it's so bad they ended up committing suicide or something like that. We as employers don't really legally have any responsibility, but morally we would probably, you know, if that happened to me and I was an employer, I would feel heartbroken. Or even if they didn't commit suicide, just even they got worse or, you know, they end up having a divorce. You can really see this stuff really snowballing. So... Here's, this comes to my, my point that I have this argument about mental health, right? In that a lot of employers think the mental health crisis in the UK is not their problem. But they contribute to that mental health crisis because they're an employer. So if they're an employer and they contribute to someone's mental health issues, they contribute to the national crisis, which means they can be part of the solution. You as an employer can be part of the solution. So... How do you do that? By treating your employers better, by looking after them, by going a bit beyond, by offering support, by building relationships, by being a freaking nice person. 
And that's the issue, isn't it? Because that's not our responsibility as, a, as an employer. So actually, we come back to the stuff that like Tanya Hewitt talks about when we interviewed her about being a bit more meaningful, being a bit more empathetic, being a bit more caring. You know, Clive Lloyd talks about the care factor. It's about being more than just an employer. That this is my lines of legal responsibility. It's about actually caring for your employee. They turned up work. You stop them from working 100%. You don't want to. You don't want them to be working on soda to drunk. But you take them in. You say, dude, there's something obviously wrong. Can I help you? And that's not going to be really easy. They're not going to turn around and say, yeah. They might turn around and say, oh, fuck off, mate. It's nothing to do with you. And if they do that, that's life. But you, you just have to keep trying. This is really hard. And employers have got too much to deal with already. But it's like, it's up to you, isn't it? As an employee, it's up to you. You can be one or the other and actually neither are right and neither are wrong. You can fire them and it's not your problem. Move on. You probably wouldn't even know if something went really wrong. And frankly, there's nothing wrong with that. It depends how moral you are, really. And, and I'm not saying it's immoral to do that because there's context there, isn't there? You might have way too much shit to deal with yourself. So... You could be like on the brink of going bankrupt and you just don't have the mental capacity to deal with this shit yourself. So you just fire them and let them move on. And that's cool, man. That's not the way I'd like to do it, but, you know, who am I to judge? Or you just go the other way. Well, you embrace it. You look after them. You try to help them. And one sounds like a nicer thing to do than the other, but sometimes a nice thing is not the right thing to do. So the problem here is that us as employers, we've got a hell of a lot a hell of a lot harder choices to make than maybe what we did a few years ago. Work is much more co complex. Our responsibilities are much more complex. It's kind of this social and ethical responsibility that we have as employers has actually made this really, really hard. And what Safety 2, I think, does, and, and Safety Differently, and psychological safety and and if these kind of new and hip ways of looking at safety if you want to kind of talk about it like that it just means us being a bit more of a ethical and moral employer in my opinion <coughs> excuse me <clears throat> so here's some other issues i'm going to kind of quick fire through these because we're already about half an hour in we are too attached to labels it's issue number one we feel this innate desire to label ourselves. What are you, safety one or safety two? Oh, fuck off. Like, don't commit yourself to one of them, people. Like, how stupid is that? You have, you've heard me say this 100 times before, and I'll stand by this because I said it before, and I just, I believe it even more now. You have a buffet, a buffet of shit to deal, uh, shit to pick from. Behavior-based safety, hop. Safety two. Well, safety two, which is kind of resilience engineering now, but like resilience, you know, uh, what's the other ones? I don't, I don't fucking know. Behavioral-based safety, as I've already said that. Uh, psychological safety, got all these things you can pick from. Why just commit to one, peeps? Don't be stupid. You don't go to the buffet and just have sausage rolls, do you? Unless you're some kind of weirdo. You go to there, you have a bit of like, I don't know, some quesadillas, and you have some samosas, and you have a bit of classic cheese and pineapples, and then you have... People in America are like, what the fuck is a cheese and pineapple? Honestly, don't knock it till you try it. Cheddar cheese on a toothpick, little bit of pineapple. It will change your world. Trust me. Trust me. Honestly, trust me. 
Anyway, so you want to just you want to pick one, would you? You'd have all these little bits. That's the point of a buffet. That's what you have now. Don't commit yourself to one, people. And to be honest, it doesn't help the arguments, does it? I'm this and you're that. That creates this segregation. It creates tribalism. It creates a us versus them, which frankly is just not helping us. And we're not getting anywhere with that. So avoid the labels, people. Stop being crusaders, particularly safety two people. There are safety two people out there, partic- particularly some of the academics that are like crusaders. And they're like, oh, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a police, I'm an ex-police officer from safety. I've just become another police officer for safety two. It's the same shit, different name. Like you've just become another crusader. So just stop it, just stop it 100%. Like, isn't it ironic that we, we say people aren't the problem, but yet if that problem is talking, if that person is talking about safety one, then we, we completely throw our, our our ideals out the window and we treat that safety one person like they are the problem. We call them stupid. We attack them and so on and so forth. So stick to your ideals, people. Like if you think people are not the problem, that also applies to people that think safety uh, safety two is shit. That also applies to people that practice behavioral based safety or safety one right if you're going to have an ideal fucking stick to it 100% okay don't say you're an ex-safety crusader and then become another safety crusader but just for a different type of safety it's the same shit different name particularly the safety two side of words of that however there is a couple of people that I've got in the back of my head from the safety one side as well people that just comment all the time on anything when somebody shares a shitty video of like someone doing stupid shit and they're like oh, apparently people aren't the problem they're the solution what have you got to say to this like just you're just a dickhead like you're not helping anyone so there's dickheads on both sides and frankly there's dickheads everywhere so we just need to not engage with those dickheads okay and trust me, part of this miniseries, I have been actively engaging with these dickheads, both sides. And I wasn't impressed with either of them. And some of them are the, the big names as well. Some of the biggest names in this space are also the biggest dickheads. And it just doesn't help. Calling things stupid doesn't help. Don't get me wrong, I've done it. It's more of a passing phrase. I do it as well. Like, I'm like, mm, that's a bit stupid, isn't it? And And yeah, that's fine. But like... Is it fine? Maybe it's not. Maybe I'm being hypocritical. I, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe, maybe I'll listen back to some of my podcasts and, and if you go, oh, this is stupid. Oh, that's stupid. Compliance is stupid. But actually, it's not really, is it? Compliance is something that exists and we have to suck it up and we have to do it, whether we like it or not. It's one part of what we do. It's not all of what we do. It's one part of it, but it's not stupid. And I know I listen back to some of those episodes and I know, especially at the early ones where I was just an angry young man, I know that I would have called things stupid. But I look back at it now and I'm like, it doesn't help, man. It doesn't help. Local rationality. Put yourself in their shoes. Can you imagine if you've been practicing and preaching and selling behavior-based safety for all these years and then people just start writing things and going, this is shit, your shit, behavior-based safety is shit. You'd feel threatened, wouldn't you? Now, I don't know if this is true or not, but apparently um, Mr. Cooper was in the room when... Um, Sidney Decker stood on stage and had a printed out piece of paper that was Don Cooper's research and said this is a crock of shit or something like that now dude come on how would he feel if someone did that to him he would be pissed wouldn't he 
So I don't know if that's true or not. I'm just saying if that wasn't if that's not true, then I bet there's another example of it, but it just doesn't help. So let's not be like that. Let's just be a bit more empathetic with each other. The point is here, we need to remember, and this is why this is why I got Simon Casson on and put him in this mini series because I love the way he talks about this. He, he just does not get engaged in this safety one, safety two stuff. For him, it's just safety, right? Yeah, maybe he talks more about behavioral-based safety stuff, but actually he's more of this kind of philosopher, this philosophical way of looking at stuff. And he always comes back to the point of everything is about ethics. And that's what we need i think a kind of hippocratic oath we need to all remember that we're all trying to do the same thing here whether you think behavior-based safety is stupid or not whether you think safety two is stupid or not whether you think oh we've been doing this for years whatever you think just remember we're all trying to do the same thing here yeah okay that's that rant out of the way look rationality done oh the arrogance of academics now Academics have a job and they do a very good, good job, a very, very good job. And without the academics, without the researchers, we would be up shit creek without the proverbial paddle. 100 percent. Right. We need them. We will be lost without them. There were academics that did that innovated behavior based safety and there were academics that innovated safety too, safety differently, whatever. But don't be the the, the the lamb to them as the shepherd. Like, don't just be like a, a, a Decorite or a Conklinite or a Honagorite. That doesn't work. The other two did work quite well. The last one didn't. You know, don't be a Gallerite. There's no such thing. Just don't. Just, just say thank you for your research. I'll read it. I'll take out the bits that work for me and then I'll go off with it. Like, they're all so full of themselves in my opinion and i like most of them in, in in fleeting conversations i like but actually i've had better conversations with the with the real people that are just doing the job much better conversations with them i'll sit and listen to a keynote all day long most of these academics yeah i'll read their stuff i'll read their books 100 but actually when you talk to the people doing this job they're much more reasonable most of these academics are just so full of themselves and so arrogant and they're so bickering amongst each other we get sucked into that as practitioners and it's not helping us in any way shape or form so i think just be aware of that and whilst we're so aware of biases why don't you be aware of the bias of the your your academic that you follow and commit to remember that when they're critiquing someone else's work they have a bias because they think that their work is better so just remember that. So, okay, let's uh, let's go on. Talked about blood, talked about that, talked about that. So, what did I learn? For me, I just kind of solidified what I what I kind of assumed before. I had a couple of theories. The, the buffet theory, which I've I've touched on, and I won't I won't go over that again. I, I still stick to my kind of good and safe good and bad safety um which i know conklin conklin's kind of kind of tore apart he didn't agree but he didn't really let me finish if i'm honest um in in the it's it's not behavioral based safety is shit and and safety too is good it's actually just shit safety like 
I've said this before and I'll say it, I've said it time and time again, I'll say it again. Most of this stuff that we're talking about in, in safety two, for me as safety is originally intended, we were always supposed to have high levels of engagement. We're always supposed to have high levels of engagement. I think that we were, we were always supposed to kind of not have safety clutter. Um, and, and we were always supposed to be empathetic to the employer, to the employee and the employer. We were always supposed to have that local rationality. We were always supposed to consider the context. We were always supposed to focus on the significant risks, you know, all, always. So for me, a lot of safety two stuff just brings us back to safety as originally intended. It brings us back to where we need to be, where we originally were intended to go it's safety is originally intended and i think that actually in my conversations with all of these people um i just solidified that if i'm honest that actually what we argue about is it may or may not be the theories and frankly i don't give a shit there's, there's bad safety just like the stuff that doesn't help us get anywhere where we're just like well the, the employee is stupid which i wouldn't even say is bad safety i said it's just bad management oh you're stupid and i'm not and, and to be fair if we were to say the employee is stupid well you fucking employed him so if the employee is stupid then you're just as fucking stupid because you're employed there and and you're still here so who's the stupid one i actually said that to somebody on linkedin post <laughs> she was not happy when i said that so for me yeah that that's what i kind of come from that i think what do we get what have we got from from this kind of safety two space I think for me, you know, you can't blame and learn at the same time. I really like that. That that's from Conklin. Um, you know, increased levels of engagement from from Decker. You know, people are the solution, not the problem. You know, you could take that phrase as much as you want and and kind of talk about that one phrase out of the context. Essentially, what he's saying is, is is have some get some local rationality talk to the people on the shop floor and i think as well this is a prime example this statement is a prime example of where we'll go wrong because we go people are not the solution people are the problem and uh, don't, don't don't blame don't blame the worker we end up blaming the leaders like so many times we talk about stupid leaders you know or stupid leaders are are, are treating our employees like they're stupid hang on a minute is that not a direct con contradiction of what you just said you just called the leaders stupid and when we talk about you need to you need to kind of understand workers imagine well the the, um, the the workers on the shop floor also need to understand corporate as imagined in a way or corporate as done sorry yeah work is done and corporate is done you know it's a two-way street we need to understand the reality for the worker but the worker needs to understand the reality for the leaders as well because they don't understand they don't have the empathy for the board they don't understand what 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 the pressures are that they're going through so so we need to have this two-way street so so i think this oversimplification of what what safety differently safety two is and just focusing on the the helicopter view of stuff is inherently already it's already creating this kind of um, Heim Heimrichism, this Heimrich kind of issue, this Heimrich phenomenon. There we go, the Heimrich phenomenon. Phenomenon. Uh, copyright patent pending on that on that statement. In that, we're we're arguing about the simplification of these approaches and not the actual intention of those of those approaches. I feel like I feel like that was either really messy and didn't make any sense or that was really profound. 
let me know. Message me on LinkedIn or Twitter or anything else. Okay, what else have I got on my notes? What what's kind of bad? What's the bad one for me? I, I don't. I wouldn't say bad is behavior based safety. I would say one is bad where people where we're we're actively saying that the person is the problem without considering all the other co- contexts that's created that behavior, all the other contexts that's driven them to make that decision, without understanding the context in that situation and blaming the worker. So immediately jumping to behavior or human error. That's bad for me. I think deciding that, or, or I think not having the build, building capacity to f- fail, as much as I'm kind of using very uh, safety two terms here, I think that's not having that and kind of focusing too much on likelihood is what I think is a bad practice. Like where we justify not, not building capacity to fail on those significant risks. Um, Todd Conker talks about the st- sticky focus on the stuff that kills you. I think that's from Todd, if I remember rightly. For, for me, you could probably tweak that to say stuff that matters, because if you just manage loads of offices, stress and DSE not really going to kill you. Well, stress could eventually, but do you know what I mean? It's not really going to kill you. It's not the fatal accident or fatal incident, but it is could be debilitating. Like it could be life changing. So maybe just tweaking that a little bit to stuff that matters, but maybe that's being pedantic. Um, you know, for me, that's a good thing. I think bad safety is where we where we go. Oh, it's not likely, so we just won't do anything about it, and then we just do nothing about, say, working at height is a prime example. You know, working at height is consistently the thing that kills most people in the UK from a safety side of things. You know, pausing the health side of things, and we go, cool, yeah, but it's not likely. You know, I've worked here fifty years, and no one's ever fell off a ladder, or no one's ever died falling off a ladder. So, so for me, there's there's that kind of um, that that's a bad practice for me. You know, it's, it's going likelihood versus versus um, severity. I don't think it should be that. I think likelihood should be a consideration and severity should be a consideration. But once you get over a certain line of severity, you should really be building capacity to fail. In my opinion, I think that's that's a good practice. So a bad practice would be not doing that. How we've traditionally done risk assessments. Um, whatsoever low employee engagement so low kind of engagement both ways you know all of the all of the kind of people in the business not understanding how other parts of the business work the kind of lack of systems thinking so to so to speak um a lack of local rationality again you know not just understanding the employee i had this great conversation um for i think was it project millennium which i'll tell you more about in a minute by the way um it was oh no it wasn't it was us promoting uh, project Miletium at a paradigm webinar where we started talking about colin uh, nottage gave a great example about the finance going through stuff with red pen like cutting costs here cutting costs there and not understanding the the impact that that has on the shop floor and and that's a really good point like finance should be able to see have this system thinking under understanding of being able to go well if i cut that that will affect this which affects that which affects this which means it affects safety for example right and vice versa though so the the operational should be like well if i make this decision that means that we spend more money on this which means this which means that which means finance and then under a lot of pressure to then stick within budget so it works both ways so low engagement not just down the chain if you want to talk about it like that i'm not particularly happy with the down phrase but you know not downwards through the to the sharp end but also from the sharp end up to the blunt end 
okay so low low engagement um reasonable and practicable for, for me this kind of decluttering stuff um the kind of uh building capacity for me that that's what reasonably practicable was always intended to be you know it is reasonable and it is practicable to build capacity to to, to fail because the severity is so high so for me a lot of this stuff brings it back to safety as originally intended and I will stick by that until the day I fucking die because I genuinely, genuinely believe that, especially in the UK, that this this is what safety was meant to be. Okay, so my advice. So here's some of my advice. We're 45 minutes in. Uh, here's my advice. Read the safety of work paper. I'm going to do an episode on this where I read through my notes. We'll do this next week. So next week, uh, I'm going to go through a very, very crude version. I'm just going to read out the bits that I highlighted and then kind of emergently just mention and talk out loud, pretty much like I do all the time. Yeah, read that paper. I would link it in the description below, but I think that would be being a bit naughty because it's behind a paywall. So um, I have asked if I could share it. I haven't had a response. Um, So... Yeah, I would feel rude to do that. So, best way, find out who the authors are and then just message them. Be like, yo, dude, can I have a copy of your your paper? That's the best way to get it. Uh, otherwise, get pull your, pull, pull your wallet out and, um, and buy it. Um, read that paper. Really good. Do not commit to labels or one approach, not the other. Don't do it. It's stupid. I've already said it. You're at a buffet. Get a plate and graze. Yeah, don't just pick one thing. Remember that we all have the same intention here. We all are trying to make work better. There is not a single safety profession out there, whether you think they are safety one, whether you think they are safety two, and you're the other side, whatever. Not one of them exists to not make work safer. And just remember that. Focus on relationships at work. Please focus on building trust with your employers, with your employees. Build that understanding, that empathy to ways to focus on building relationships. Dive into psychological safety because for me, that is what we have been missing. That work on psychological safety, whether you think it existed before or not, I couldn't give two shits. But it has been popularized right now through Amy Edmondson's work, through Google, etc. And that is a good thing. Whether we like it or not, that is a good thing. So throw yourself into psychological safety because as far as I'm concerned, that's the thing we have been missing for a very long time. If you've been doing it, hooray. Just because I say we've been missing it doesn't mean I'm attacking you and saying you've not been doing it. You don't need to message me saying I've been doing it for years. I, I couldn't give a shit. I'm talking about my experience. There has been a distinct lack of psychological safety in every workplace I've ever been involved in. Every single one. Psychological safety for me is about changing how we work. And the fact that she, that Amy Edmondson, has done such amazing work and it hasn't been tied to our profession at safety is a fucking saving grace. 100%. Thank God. It wasn't attached to our profession and it was more attached to organizational uh, excellence or, 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 or kind of management styles and so on and so forth because it's become so 
popular and that's a good thing so throw yourself in psychological safety read the safety of work paper it's really good breaks down those kind of four or five areas of work which i think is outstanding when i read it i was like this is what we've been missing um remember that we all have the right intentions here i did say i was going to go through a um through a linkedin post i'm conscious that we're like 50 minutes in and um and yeah i just don't want to now because it's pretty much saying everything i've said um and well frankly you can i'll link it i'll link it in the description you can go get to it okay peeps i'm going to talk about project Meletium. now project Meletium will be a sponsor of this podcast going forward not a proper sponsor because they don't pay us or anything like that but i own it it's my it's my little project me and colin nottage have joined together and you may remember we did um we did a survey a while ago can you remember that hopefully you can and when we got that survey back it was pretty clear that that we needed something else you know i knew i needed something else i knew i wasn't satisfied with what i was getting and we created project Malita. this has been such a long time coming like this has been so many different things and essentially we've we've fallen on now it's kind of like a mastermind group if you know what they are it's a community it's a community where we've kind of built these values of curiosity curiosity uh, authenticity uh, empathy um, and, and our aim is to build and and kind of facilitate this community we exist essentially to empower health and safety people risk people well-being people resilience people to unleash their true potential that that's our kind of tagline and and help them create better workplaces and we do that by um, building this authentic curious empathetic community and then we get them in these calls so all members no matter what kind of scheme you sign up for all members get access to our weekly community calls and they're just like these cool awesome little calls they're an hour long every week and you go in and we're working on our goals and our wins and then we, we get we're going into like a deep in deep into a subject we'll call it like a little mini discovery session um, where we discuss a subject or you could bring a problem to the table you could go and say i'm really struggling with this like i'm trying to get this I'm, I'm stuck i'm trying to achieve this goal but this one thing it could be a personnel issue it could be a, a a technical issue it could be anything and we as a community help each other to try and do that to try and help that person essentially so that's um that's a weekly call we're also running monthly book clubs and from june onwards we'll be running monthly philosophy sessions as well where we'll be posing a a question and we'll just be hashing that out and that's going to be awesome but it's also going to be messy like you know what philosophy is like if you know you know um the book club you get a month a book of the month you you go away you purchase that book and then you read it obviously and then we come along and and colin and myself or one of our facilitators will facilitate this conversation and we will we'll kind of try and draw out some cognitive diversity from that book you get to learn about how other people have interpreted that book so you become book smart in a way like no other really we've also got a quarterly kind of mastermind group which we call wagon wheel based off of walker's wagon wheel in silicon valley um if you've read rebel ideas one of my favorite books that's where it comes from so that is a three it's just over just over three hour session once a quarter and this is really heavily focused at 
drawing out your growth we're, we're challenging you you're setting some goals um, talking about how your progress through that goals and then there's two sessions in there one where somebody from our community will have an opportunity to present um, their journey so far and the room will give them feedback and help them with their challenges and then also we'll have a keynote uh, to, to, to deliver, to give us some more ideas and, and give us a new way of thinking. Um, so it's kind of like a mini mastermind slash event um, that you get every quarter. So all members get those calls. It, this is like mentoring slash coaching slash uh, mastermind on steroids. Yeah. And then you've got some online resources and some online short courses that we're developing now. So because our short courses are not up and running um yet they will be in a few months but they're not yet the uh the prices to join are heavily discounted so there'll be a link in the description but if you want to just jump on it now it's www.projectmiletium.com Miletium is spelt m-o-l-l-i-t-i-a-m and Miletium is resilient in latin by the way so that's what it is Hopefully you'll come along. You can have calls with myself and Colin and the rest of our amazing community. And um, and hopefully you'll enjoy it. it who is it for? It's, it's kind of for anyone who's new to the profession. 100% you're going to benefit from this. Anyone that's new to the profession, whether you're young, uh, this is your first career or second career. Anyone who's kind of maybe middle of that. This is where I'll put myself. Uh, middle of a career and you've hit a bit of a crossroads. Maybe you've you've realized the safety two stuff uh, exists, but you're not really sure how to take that next step to develop your safety uh, approaches and, and implement that in, in the workplace. Or maybe it's because, you know, you're halfway through your career and you think, oh, I'm not really sure where to go next and what to do next. This community exists for you. Or maybe you just want to give back. Maybe you've got so much experience that you want to give back and help as many people as possible. You've been thinking about mentoring for a while, but you just want to help loads of people. This is the place for you because you can come in these calls. You can learn yourself from the younger, the, the middle of the career people, but you have an opportunity every week, every month, every quarter to give back and help so many people. So if you're one of those people, go to the website, join us. I hope to see you at the next call. If you're not convinced yet, you can drop me a message on LinkedIn, come and find me or go and find Colin Nottage or come and find us at Project Miletium. We are on LinkedIn as well. And we'll get you along to one of our calls for free so you can try it out before you buy it um, and so on. So anyway, that was the, the kind of little sponsorship thing. It won't normally be that long. This is kind of the first time I've ever spoke about it. And I'm really excited about it. I think it's really, really good. Um, so... Yep, thanks for listening, people. I hope you've enjoyed that. That's the end of the Safety One, Safety Two mini series. Next week, I'm going to be talking on my own again. I'm sorry to disappoint you. I'm going to be talking about the safety of work uh, paper, where I'm just going to go through my notes and hash that out. And then from there, let's just see what goes. Let's see what I might do another one on my own because I've been missing just talking, if I'm honest. I've been missing this. Um, but otherwise, I will catch you next week people safe
The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily reflect the position of the companies. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are examples only based on limited and dated open source information and should not be utilised in real life as the only solution available. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the companies. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic or otherwise, without prior written permission from James McPherson. Thank <laughs> you.